Welcome, it's so good to have you here. Wasn't that an incredible time of worship? That was awesome. So very thankful for that. I want to take an opportunity to welcome all of those who are watching online. We are so glad that you are here joining us for this morning. And this morning, we're going to do something different. I got a new toy. And we're going to use it in the sermon. So if you would, just take your phones out. I want you to have it handy because we're going to use it in a little bit, all right? And those of you that are watching online, same thing. You can participate in this, and this is going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to it in just a little bit, okay? All right, so we're in a series right now called I Can Only Imagine. And basically, we're talking about what happens when we come to that point in our lives when the Lord calls us home. We've talked about, is heaven a real place? And the Scriptures tells us, yes, it is. We've looked at, is hell a real place? Yes, the Scriptures say. And today, we're going to look at and answer the question, so what happens after I die? Now, I know some people, if maybe this is your first time here, you're probably looking and thinking that, man, that's kind of morbid, isn't it? Why in the world are we talking about death? And there's a great reason for that. One of them is is that over the last six months, we've done a lot of funerals at our church, and there have been a lot of people that have been asking me, Pastor Bob, can you please tell me what happens to my loved one that has died, and can you tell me where they are? And I want you to know something, that through the scriptures, the answer to that question is yes. And I don't know about you, but today I want to make sure that everybody knows where we're going. And I want to tell you that last week, we had 11 people receive Jesus Christ for their very first time. Isn't that awesome? Four of them online. Let's hear it for technology, huh? All right. So I have a visual today, and this visual is what I believe, according to what the Bible tells us, this is how we look at death. I want to share something with you about this. There's a curtain here, and every one of us here wants to know what's on the other side, right? The only problem with that is is that nobody gets to know what's on the other side until you actually pass through that curtain. And that will happen for all of us. I want to say that again. That will happen for all of us in God's perfect timing. You know, we're dealing with COVID. There are health issues. There are accidents. And here's what I want you to know. COVID, health issues, accidents don't take people. God does. And the reason is, is because it happens in his perfect timing. I'm not saying we understand everything, because we don't, and we need to ask questions, but it all happens in God's perfect timing. My dear friends in Christ, here's what I want you to know. One minute after you pass through the parted curtain called death, you will either experience our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with his arms like this wide open, welcoming you into his midst. Or you will experience gloom and torment like you have never imagined before in your life. And either way, what I need you to know is this. 
your future is irrevocably fixed and eternally unchangeable. That's why we need to know on this side of the curtain what we need to do so we know what happens on the other side of the curtain. Are we all together so far? In Indiana, I've heard that there's a cemetery, and in this cemetery is a tombstone. And on this tombstone, it is written, pause, stranger, as you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you will be. Prepare for death and follow me. Interesting. One day there was a stranger, a passerby, who was walking through the cemetery, and he happened to come across this this epitaph, and he read it, and he thought for a moment, and then when he was finished, you know what he did? He etched something on the bottom of the tombstone, and this is what he wrote. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. That's good advice, isn't it? We all want to know what's on the other side of death. And it will happen, but only on that day when the Lord calls us home. Now, I checked this morning before first service, and I checked again before second service. The statistics are still the same. Everybody's guaranteed to die. Okay? Nothing is going to change. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why the Bible talks about death 394 times. Did you know that two people die every second? That means that before our service ends today, 6,000 people will have died. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I'm used to seeing the baseball scores, the basketball scores, and the football scores in the paper, aren't you? That's what I'm ready, that's what I want to hear on the news. But today, we get the COVID scores. Have you noticed that? This is how many people have now contracted COVID. This is how many people are now in the hospital. This is how many people are now in ICU. And this is how many people who have died from COVID. But one thing that we can say about this is is that death is a part of life. Would you agree? Think about this. There was a man who, a young man who had come home. He had been gone for a little while, and he came home, and when he got to the house, he could hear his phone ringing. So he ran in the house, and he just kind of threw his suitcases, and it was his doctor's office. The doctor's office said, you need to get here immediately. The doctor needs to talk to you. So the man realized that, man, this, this must be something really important. So he dropped everything, and he, and he went to the doctor's office. And when he got to the doctor's office, the doctor was already waiting for him. They ushered him right into the doctor's office, and the doctor said to him, he said, young man, I need to tell you something. I've got bad news for you, and I've got worse news. The young man looked at him, he goes, well, what's the bad news? And he says, you have 48 hours to live. Well, what's the worst news? We've been trying to get a hold of you since yesterday. (laughs) I want to introduce you to somebody, okay? 
This is a young lady by the name of Brooklyn Salisbury, okay? I don't know her. But what I do know about her is that she's on a journey. Brooklyn has been on hospice since Christmas. She has a connective tissue disorder. After a lot of prayer and a lot of godly counsel and a lot of medical wisdom, the Lord has made it clear to Brooklyn that he's bringing her home. Just this past Monday, on January the 17th, they removed her from all of her medications. And the doctors told her, Brooklyn, by the end of February, you'll be gone. You'll be with Jesus. And what's kind of strange about this is, as I said, I don't know Brooklyn. Ten days ago, I got an invitation from Brooklyn to follow her in LinkedIn, and some of you guys can follow this if you want to, you can follow her in LinkedIn. What she's doing is she's taking people and inviting people to journey with her to her death. Who does that? A believer. Brooklyn is a believer. She is a strong Christian. And you know what she's doing? She's inviting people to walk with her on this journey to death. You know why? Because she's not afraid to die. And she doesn't want anybody else to be afraid to die either. I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. My dear friends in Christ, I tell you this because I love you. Until you come to grips with your death, you will never be able to live life the way God intended you to live. And I'm going to explain that to you today. So stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. Are you ready? These are exciting words for us, okay? Listen carefully. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would, be a, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, teach us today to live by faith and not by sight. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. My friends, it all starts here. You will never be able to live your life the way God intends you to live it until your eternal destination is secured. We all okay with that? I'm say that again. You will never be able to live life on this earth the way God intends until you have determined your eternal destination. So tell me something. How many of you have ever forgotten something? 
Anybody? Just a few of you. That's good. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. This drives me nuts because I got to tell you that I'm usually not one who forgets many things. And I think my wife would agree. I'm pretty good. I've got this mental checklist that I go through. And, you know, I make sure that everything, I've got everything done. Okay? But you know what, is, what is, just drives me nuts is when you think you've done everything that you're supposed to do. And then you've got this gnawing feeling that there's something that you forgot, but you can't remember what it is that you forgot. Anybody relate? Okay, let me share with you a story, quick story, okay? This past summer, Lori and I were in Iowa, and I did a wedding. There was a family member that had a wedding on Lori's side of the family, okay? After the reception on Sunday morning, we were going to leave, so we packed everything up. Packed everything up, checked underneath the bed, around the bed, in the bathroom, kind of went through that checklist in my mind. Everything was there, loaded up everything in the car, and we went to the reception. But in my mind, I knew I forgot something but I couldn't remember what it was. It was driving me nuts. During that whole reception, I was thinking, okay, I got my toothbrush, I got that. And the whole thing, it was just driving me. I could not figure it was. So finally we left. We leave, we're 10 miles away, we're 20 miles away, we're 30 miles away, and this is just driving me crazy. Okay, now, how many of you have seen the movie Home Alone? Remember the Kevin moment? She's on the plane, she thinks she's forgot something, all of a sudden, Kevin! Remember that? I had that moment, only mine was medicine. I forgot my medicine. I was so mad at myself. I think I called myself an idiot, to which my wife agreed. No, I'm just kidding, okay? I said to Lori, I apologize to her. I hate this. I can't believe it. So we had to turn around and go all the way back 30 miles just to get the stuff. And we called them and told them, hey, we forgot something. Hey, got to come back and get it. Oh, he just loved it. You forgot something, huh? Yeah, you're worse than a woman. Just reminding me. So I get there, sure enough, there he is. He gives me my medicine. We get back and, and we take off and away we go. You know what? The same is true in life. My friends, it's good sometimes to make a checklist because when you have a checklist, it's only in that way that you can make sure everything in your life is in order. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about something that the Bible tells us, that there are three things that we need to do to have our lives in order because we never know when God is going to call, okay? We never know when that moment comes, all right? So here we go. Let's take a look at this. Look at this scripture verse. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Here's the first thing I want you to remember. You gotta have your passport, okay? So for that day, when the Lord calls you home, you have to have your passport. Now I know you're probably thinking, well, what in the earth do you mean by that? Well, let me just remind you, what's a passport for? It allows you to get into a country and it also allows you to get out of that country, right? But you can't get in and out unless you have a passport, right? My thing is this, you can't get into heaven unless you have a passport. And I hope you're asking, so what is that passport? And here's the passport. Your name must be written in the book of life. If it's not, you don't get to enter. So what is that passport? Here's what I want you to know what it is. This is your passport. What does that say? Okay, nice and loud, say it again. Forgiven. The way you enter into heaven 
If Jesus were to ask you, why should I let you into my kingdom, this is your answer. Because I'm forgiven. Because Jesus came on this earth and he lived his life, he died on the cross, and God proved that he approved, or he approved of Jesus' death by raising him from the dead. Remember what the Bible says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is your guarantee. So think about this. If you can say, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died on the cross for my sin, that's your guarantee. And you should be excited about that. A while back, before many of you were even walking on the earth, Northwest Airlines, are they even airlines anymore? No, they're not. Okay, so Northwest Airlines, they ran this special gimmick, and here's what it was. It was called the Mystery Fair. Anybody remember this? Here's what they did. You paid $59. This is just a gimmick that they run to get more people to use their airlines, okay? You pay $59, you go to the airport, and for one day, they'll fly you someplace, but you have no idea where you're going. All you do is get on the plane, they take you someplace, and then they bring you back later that day. Now, you know what the good part about that was? Some people went to New York. Some people went to Seattle. Some people went to Las Vegas. Some people went to LA. Some people went to Miami. But most of the people went to some podunk city that they had never heard of before. Here's what I want to say to you. When it comes to the end of life, we don't want a mystery fair. We want to know where we are going. And the Bible tells us, if you believe, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that's your passport, your guarantee that your name is written in the book of life. And this is what I want you to hear loud and clear. Please hear me. Once your name is written in the book of life, it can never, ever be removed. Isn't that good news? God doesn't have an eraser. There's no whiteout. If your name's written there, it's a done deal. You are saved. Look at this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I'm made right because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And you know what that brings me? Peace. Don't you want peace knowing of where your loved ones are? Don't you want peace knowing of where you will spend eternity? I do. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is his, in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. All right, can I pause just for a second, and I want to address a couple families that are here today, Okay. And the question that they are asking, that I've been asked many, many times is this, what about the children? In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, the Israelites are getting ready to go into the promised land. 
I want you to know that the promised land is a metaphor for heaven, okay? Everybody with me? You remember that the adults sinned against God. Do you remember that? They sinned against God, and what did God tell them? You can't go in. But do you remember what he said about the children? Oh, but not the children. The children will inherit the promised land. Does that not give you hope? All of those babies that have been aborted, they're in the arms of Jesus. And if your name is written in the book of life, you will see them again. Woo! Isn't that exciting? All right. Let's go on. Here's the second thing we need to do. We need to live with the end in sight. Look at the scripture verse here. We were all citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Here's what I want you to remember. Oops, I went too fast, sorry. I learned early on in life, in fact, I learned it from my father-in-law. One time I borrowed a shovel. I used it, I needed to dig some holes. When I brought it back, there was a little dirt on the shovel. You know what he said to me? Um, if you borrow a shovel, you're supposed to bring it back better than it was when I gave it to you. I learned a lesson. And you know what? That's it, what it got, exactly what God says. As stewards of this earth, as Pastor Phil talked about, guess what? We're supposed to bring it back better than the way we left it. Here's what I mean. Heaven demands that all of us leave our mark on this earth. And that mark has to point people to Jesus, to heaven. Think about somebody that you know that has recently passed away. What do you think about them? What do you want people to think about you when you die? You want them to think about you, oh, that man, I'll tell you, man, all he cared about was his big boat and his big toys. Or don't you want someone to say, man, that was the most godly woman I've ever met in my life. That's the most godly man I have never, ever met in my life. Man, that man loved Jesus. That's the mark we want to make, right? Okay, I'm going to tell him myself, okay? So yesterday I'm at the gym. And you know what? There's this young man, um, his name is Tiger, and he came up to me, and this is what he said to me. He said, um, hey, excuse me, sir. Um, they voted me to do this. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, okay, what did they vote you to do? Here's what he said. Um, you forgot to take your, put your weights away. Oh, dude, I am so sorry. You are, he said to me. I said, I am so sorry, and I shook his hand, okay, and I went and I put my weights away. Okay, now I know you may think that's no big deal, but here's what I want to share to you. Do you think I want them to remember me by that's the guy who doesn't put his weights away? Not at all. You know what I want them to remember me by? That's the guy who goes above and beyond what he's supposed to do. There's a young man there who works out almost every week, and his legs from the waist down, he hardly can stand. He has crutches that he walks in there with. His name is Steve. Every time I see him, he's always encouraging. 
He's always loving, and every time I do, I want to help him. Why? Because I want to leave my mark. Take a look at this, okay? Here's the next one. Don't be afraid to die. All right, take out your phones. This is going to be so cool. I'm so excited about this. I'm not tech savvy, but today I'm feeling like I'm pretty tech savvy, okay? All right, so I want you to ask you a question, and here's what I want you to think about this, okay? I want to ask you, are you afraid to die? Now, here's what I want you to say, okay? Don't lie, because here's the thing is, we can't tell who's doing what. See, all these tech people already know what to do. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to, are you afraid to die? Okay, there's the the QR code, click on that, and then just answer the question. Here's the other thing, if you're someplace in the sanctuary, and you can, it's not working for you, here's what you do. Go to your, go to your text box, okay, and where you write the text, What happened? What? Oh, okay. It's coming. Thank you. Okay. Dial, just put in there 800. No, no, no. Sorry. 316. Oh, there it is. 316-800-6161, and then you can vote. So if your QR code isn't working, that's okay. Just put in that number and then text, and this is what you get, okay? Everybody do that. And those of you who are watching on the line, please do it too, okay? In our last service, when it was done, 86% of the people said they weren't afraid to die. 14% of them said that they were afraid to die. Okay, look where we are. Think about that. 76% of the people in here say they're not afraid to die. And yet, 24% of the people say they are afraid to die. Now, here's what I want you to know. If you know anything about Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill was scared to death to die. Well, I didn't mean that the way that came out, but you know what I mean, right? Okay? He was afraid to die. You know why? because he didn't know what was on the other side. Take a look at this. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. In other words, what David is telling us here, every moment of my life is in God's hands. There isn't anything that happens by accident. It all happens according to his plan. Here's the next thing. Now, when David has served God in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. Here's what I want you to remember. Death is not a destination. Death is simply a vehicle to get us to the place that God has for us. Everybody understand that? So what I want you to know is that when we all come to this this curtain of death, When we walk through that curtain, that's all it is. It's just moving from one place to another. Billy Graham said this. I love this. He said, ladies and gentlemen, one day you're going to read that Billy Graham had died. Don't you believe that for a minute? He said, I'll be more alive than I've ever been. All I did was change addresses. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Bob? Thank you for asking, because I'm going to bring this to a close now. Here's what it is. What happens to people when they die? Well, let's go to the Old Testament first. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that there was a place called Sheol. Sheol is Hebrew for the word afterlife. It's a place for departed spirits, okay? Okay. 
So when all of those people in the Old Testament died, they went to a place called Sheol. Now listen, both the righteous and the wicked. However, they had two different experiences. The righteous experienced the presence of God. The wicked experienced torment and fire and pain. So in the Old Testament, when a person would die, their body would be buried in the ground, but their spirit, their soul, that's who we are. It's our consciousness. It's everything about us. That would go to this place called Sheol, okay? It's almost like there were two compartments or two regions. Everybody with me so far? Now, Even in the Old Testament, a prophet by the name of Daniel knew there was something more coming because he had seen a vision from God. And here's what he says. Look at what he says. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Here's what he was saying. This is where everyone is right now, but there's a day coming when we will be resurrected with our new bodies and we will live eternally. Some to heaven with Jesus, others to eternal fire. All right, now, then we come to the New Testament, and things change a little. First of all, the word changes, the name changes. It's no longer Sheol, now it's called Hades. And the reason it's called Hades is because Sheol is the Hebrew term The Greek term for Sheol is Hades. Now, everybody wants a glimpse what's behind this curtain, right? And in the New Testament, now we get this glimpse. There's a story in Luke, it's also in John, and it's recorded about the rich man and Lazarus. Some people say it's just a parable. I don't believe so. I agree with the majority of theologians who say, no, this is a real story because there's a man's name in it. Now remember that this poor man, he laid outside the rich man's king or his castle, and he had a rough life. But rich man named Lazarus, or excuse me, the rich man was completely different. Boy, he had everything he ever wanted. Okay, now, look at what the scriptures tell us about this, because this is what we're going to learn about what's on the other side. Here we go. In Hades, there's that New Testament term, where he was in torment, He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So the rich man is in torment. It's not the final hell, but that's what's going on here, okay? So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. All right, now, so what do we learn from this story? Here's the first thing, okay? The man in Hades was fully conscious. Do you understand what that means? He talked. 
He thought. He had a memory. He experienced pain. And somebody experienced bliss. What I want you to know is that the moment that you leave this earth, all you do is you change addresses and you are fully conscious and aware. Are we crystal clear on that? This means yes. All right. Here's the next thing we learn. Our eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed. The Bible says that there was a great chasm between them. And now that chasm has gotten even bigger, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Here's all I want you to know. Guys, once you step through that curtain, there's no more decision-making. It's done. So what matters is what you decide here on this side of heaven. Decide for Jesus Christ so you don't have to worry about what's on the other side, okay? Here's the third thing. The man knew he was getting what he deserved. I want you to think about this for a minute. That rich man who was in torment never once complained about where he was. Hmm. Why do you think that is? Because he knew about the life that he lived on earth. And the what we live on earth determines our destiny. And so because of that, he knew that his decision was made. So what does he do? He tells them, hey, go to my family and tell them. Isn't it amazing? Apparently, those of you, some of you, sorry, I did not mean that. Those individuals who go into a place of torment, they become mission-minded. They're worried about their family. What did they say? Send someone to talk to my family. What do you want us to tell them? Tell them to repent. And you know what the answer was? It wouldn't matter even if somebody was raised from the dead. They wouldn't believe. Now think about this. Well, did they raise anybody from the dead? Uh, yeah, his name is Jesus. And still, most people still don't believe even though somebody was raised from the dead. One more. A final judgment still awaits. Look at this. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is what's called the final, the white throne judgment, okay? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Here's what I want you to know, okay? What happens when you die? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you got nothing to worry about because what God has in store for you is gonna blow your socks off. And I don't wanna break your bubble but your loved ones love you dearly, but believe me, what they're experiencing, sorry, there's no way they want to come back here. Are we all clear on that? But you know what they want? They want to look forward to that day when they greet you. How many of you have loved ones who are with Jesus? You know what their prayer is for you? That you do whatever you have to do so you can be where they are. I know my little brother, seven years old. You know what he's hoping for? That day when Bob walks through those pearly gates. You did it, big brother! Let me show you around. There's grandpa, there's grandma, there's dad, there's all of our relatives. This place is awesome! That's what we have to be about. But on the other hand, 
If we have not made that decision for Jesus Christ, all we have to look forward to is pain and torment and fire. Okay, I wanna make something, one last thing very clear to you, okay? The Bible tells us that there are those who are on this side of earth who believe they're gonna be in heaven and they're disappointed and surprised when they find out they're not. Well, how does that happen? It's real simple. It's real simple. These are the people who thought that their riches were going to get them into the kingdom of heaven. And you know what Jesus says? Away from me, I never knew you. So what's life like in heaven? Will there be animals in heaven? What will the capital city be like? How many of you would like to know the answer to those questions? Come back next week. <laughs> and the week after that, and the week after that, and we're gonna talk about what's life gonna be like in heaven according to what the Bible says. All right. I wanna close with a word of prayer, and then we're gonna have a, a meeting. They're locking all the doors right now, okay? <laughs> Nobody can get out. If you do, you get a picture of yourself taken on. No, just kidding, okay? But I wanna just close for a minute, and can we just have a serious moment for a second, because I think there are some people in here who want an opportunity just to make a decision for Jesus. And I believe that there are some here who are wondering, I wonder where I'm gonna be. And can we take care of that real quick? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, you have told us that we're all gonna die once and then comes a judgment but you've given the test questions and the answers before we even take the quiz. And God, you have made it crystal clear in your word. It's nothing that we do that brings us into the kingdom of God. It's only what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. All I have to do is receive the gift that you've given to me. And so, Father, right now, I pray for those individuals who are here who don't know, have never, who have never received you, or they're just not sure. I remember they asked John the Baptist, what must we do? And John said, repent. Father, we repent of our sin. We not only confess that we are sinners, but we repent, and that means that we're gonna turn another way. And Lord, we know that in the flesh we're always gonna struggle, but I know now, though, because of what Jesus did for, uh, for me on the cross, I don't have to worry about a judgment because my judgment has taken place because I have received the gift that Jesus has given me, and now I'm clothed in his righteousness. When he looks at me, all he sees is a perfect being. Today, I receive that gift. I've repented of my sin, and now I'm going to live my life for Jesus. It's true what you've told us today. Now that I've come to, my, to the grips with my death, my eternal destination is taken care of. Thank you for what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.